Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Island Spot Sports. And before we get to our guest today, we have a big shout out for Living Sisu. Living Sisu is a platform and app that wants to give you all the tools to have success in your sport. Their main objective is to activate your lifestyle. So for active, it's for active people. Enjoy discounts at, at companies like BioSteel, 30% off, BodyLogics, the Goalie Guild, all his books are discounted. Roan, Lululemon for men, 20% off. Online stretching programs with Eccentrics, one full month free. They got super silent massage guns, 20% off those. And it's a great quality. It's way less expensive than a Theragun. And it's a great, it's great quality. So there's so many more discounts that you guys will need to just become a member to see. So they want to provide you with anything you need for success. So come join the community. I'm a part of it. A bunch of other athletes are a part of it. So it's free to join. It takes 20 seconds to have to get exclusive offers to your sport. And it's definitely worth worth it. So do do us a huge favor and go sign up for Living Sisu's membership. It's free, 20, takes 20 seconds. So go do it and we'll see you there. Living Sisu is a great company. We uh, we know one of the co-founders, Zach Fricali. He's a great guy. He uh, He's the co-founder and he does a lot of live streams on Instagram at, uh, at Living Sisu. And with a bunch of elite athletes and you learn a lot from like the athletes determination the resiliency everything to what me made them become successful so it's been a great experience so far so go on i'm gonna leave uh, the link in the description so uh go sign up yo welcome back to another episode of on the spot sports i'm jack and today we are joined by a very special guest noah castle noah is a college track coach at eastern illinois university specifically for the throwers noah attended the university of kentucky and was a two-time all-american shot put in 2019 outdoor discus in 2018 noah also won a bronze medal at the sec championships for outdoor shot put in 2018 noah thanks for coming on the show Thanks for having me, man. Really excited to be here. Yeah, no problem. It's gonna be a fun one. So, uh, start off like, how are you? Like, we're all in these weird times right now with COVID going on. So, like, and like getting back into like school and all that. So, like, how are you? I'm good. Uh, you know, our student athletes came back to school a couple of weeks ago, so we are, you know, fortunate enough to be on campus right now. Um, we are in a little bit of a hybrid model, um, but most of our student athletes are back on campus, and we're able to train even though it looks a little different right now but you know we're we are able to hold practice you know our staff is in the office so we're doing a lot better than some other institutions yeah that's for sure and so like let's get a little background information on you it's like can you give us like a little background information like why like the sports you played in like high school college and like why you started to start throwing yeah, so it's a pretty interesting story. I actually was uh, mainly football, basketball um, for most of my life. I think you know, I grew up playing every sport there was. I'm from a pretty small town in Northwest Ohio, so that's just kind of what you did. Um, and then I think it was seventh or eighth grade, um, I told my dad I just wanted to focus on basketball. and He didn't like that very much, so he made me pick up something in the spring. It was either going to be band or track and field. Um, and most of my friends did track and field, so I kind of Went out there, gave it a try, and uh, wasn't very good right away. I think junior high, I was like the third best kid on my team. Um, And then just got really lucky. I had an awesome high school coach, Kyle Borton, 
um, who threw at the University of Cincinnati. And he kind of molded me um, into a good high school thrower. I threw 189 in the discus and like mid 50s in shot put, uh, which eventually led me to the University of Kentucky. Through there for four years, like you covered it pretty well in the intro. Um, and then after four years there, started here at EIU. Yeah. So, like, what made you get into like football and basketball? Like, why was that going to be like your main focus compared to like before, like you did track and like, mm-hmm. What was, like, your overall experience? Because I think you're in all-state in football as well. So, like, you must have been on a pretty good team. So, like, what was that, like, whole, like, all all that life? Yeah, I mean, it was a blast. I think, you know, coming from, like I said, my town was, like, 6,000-ish people. Um, so, football was, like, a way of life um, there. And, and so was basketball, honestly. And I think, you know, track and field is really fun. And if you're at a good place, you can get that good team culture going. But, you know, playing football, I think anybody that went through that high school experience and was on a good team and got to play with their friends, you know, that's an experience that um, you really cherish going forward just because of the family atmosphere of everything that gets created. And I think, you know, I definitely take a lot of those lessons from coaches I had in football and basketball and just experiences I had with teammates in football and basketball, you know, now into my professional career as a coach, just trying to create the culture of like family and you know brotherhood sisterhood um, coaching both genders now Um, and I think it's I think there's just a lot of life lessons you can learn from sport in general um, that can be applied like pretty pretty universally across the board yeah I feel like that culture is like a very important aspect of like any sport like you definitely have to have that culture and like it comes with confidence as well like once you have like the culture the confidence of the team the team morale everything is super high and like it just goes a lot smoother than compared if it, if it's not. Yeah. And I think, you know, we always talk about here, especially when we're recruiting athletes that, you know, culture comes first and then it's academics and then it's athletics. Um, and we say that because, you know, if the culture is not there, if kids hate showing up to practice and they hate being at the university, it's almost impossible for academics and athletics to go well. So if you don't lay that foundation of, you know, this is, you know, our big thing here is family you know, if we're not being a family on the track, off the track, on the weekends, whatever, um, it's going to be a really, really difficult time for you to succeed um, either academically or athletically. here. Yeah, and the most successful team is that culture is already there and just grows and grows and grows and yeah. continues to lead to good success for the program. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, what made you choose, like, throwing in college over football or basketball? Did, like, any schools look at you for, like, football or, like, or basketball? Or, like, what was that decision like? Yeah, so I was a bit of um, a late bloomer in terms of football. So, again, I came from a small town and didn't really do camps or anything like that. Um, so by the time I started getting, like, smaller Division One interests, I had already committed for track and field. That was the first year that the early signing period had opened up, so I'd signed in November. I think honestly, like what made the decision for me was track and field was the avenue that could take me to the highest level. Um, you know, it was division two or division three or, you know, schools in the SEC, the big 10. Um, and I think I, I just personally, I wanted the experience of going to the highest level in whatever sport I could. And, you know, I'm a pretty competitive person. So that was a, a huge incentive for me was getting able to compete against the best in the country and, you know, guys who are now going on to be the best in the world. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, 
like what what was like the biggest thing you learned from your college uh, track career that you like expressed like your other athletes and like other athletes that are listening to this and just like what you think that you got they should do to be successful like you were yeah um i think that probably the number one thing taking away is just and i know that this is a huge buzzword now is like trusting the process and you know my first two years at uk didn't go very well um and then my junior and senior year kind of took off a little bit went through a coaching change between year three and year four um which was pretty difficult early on but ended up um, you know, Coach McBride and Coach Nano are both huge mentors of mine and have taught me so, so much about throwing and life in general. But going back to the process, you know, I think it's important to have goals and it's important to have that results-oriented mindset. But how we get there is because of what we do in the process. So being able to stack positive days on top of each other. You know, I know a lot of the guys that um, you guys interview are semi-pro um, hockey players or guys trying to make it to the next step um, in their hockey journey or their athletics journey in general. And so I think it becomes, it's really easy to get swept away and I'm not here, or if I could only be here, I'll be happier or better financially secure or whatever. But if you can stack positive days and positive training sessions and positive weeks on top of each other, that's how you end up getting um, to the result that you want. So I think, you know, track and field, we practice all this time for maybe three important meets every year. So it's, it teaches you really that you have to be process oriented. You have to make sure that you're doing the right things and, and stacking those positive days on top of each other. And I think that's the biggest thing that, that we're working on here now as well. Yeah. I feel like all, all athletes, like if you want to get to that next level, you just got to trust the process and like success doesn't happen overnight. So yeah. you just got to keep yeah. working on it, working every single day to, achieve your goal and just keep getting that 1% better each day. Yeah. And I think it's difficult now too, because, you know, I know there's a ton of uh, throws Instagram accounts and, you know, we are so connected via YouTube and social media in general. So it's really easy to look at, you know, I was on a team with this guy two years ago and now he's doing this, but you know, his journey is everybody has their own journey. Um, and I think it's important sometimes to kind of shut out what other people are doing and just put your blinders on and say, okay, you know, this year, I'm dedicating to making my making myself better than I was at the start of this year. And then that's how you're going to make the next level. So I think it's, it's easy to get um, sucked into kind of the copycat mentality because we do have the ability to see what other people are doing so much. Um, but again, you know, I think that comes with maturity as well. Um, that's something that's really difficult to do. But I think the, the people who are the best in the world can can definitely put their blinders on when they need to. Yeah, exactly. And like just from the podcast right now and just like all the guests we've interviewed and all all that, just their their stories are completely different, each and every one. And they they know how to get to the next level. They keep working. They keep they kept working every single day. No days off. Just keep like doing what they want to do for their sport. And it definitely shows that if you keep doing that and stick to that process, that good things will happen. And and you'll go on for uh, history. Yeah. And I mean, everybody has different skills too. Um, everybody has different things that they're good at. And like you said, it's everybody has their own individual journey. That's why I think, you know, having the opportunity to listen to podcasts is awesome and to see, you know, how this guy went from point A to point B and this guy and this guy and this guy and realizing that they are all different. So I think it's important to understand that, but also find the commonalities between all of them. Like you said, all of them, 
pretty much just decided that they were going to work really hard day in, day out. And then, you know, their individual journey kind of took over after that. Yeah. And you also, they also said that you just got to focus on yourself. You can't worry about what other people are doing. You just got to focus on you and just keep going, keep going through the grind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So going to, going into college to university of Kentucky, like what was the recruitment process like and like what made you pick uh, UK as your school to go yeah. to? Yeah, so like I said, I had thrown 189 in the discus as a junior, and I think at the time was six in the country in that. So I was pretty highly recruited for that. Um, shot put wasn't quite as good. Um, I just wasn't, I was pretty underdeveloped. You know, I played three sports all the way through, so I just didn't throw very much. And to be honest, in high school, it really didn't interest me a whole ton because, you know, I was playing football and basketball, and that was more fulfilling at the time for me. Um, and I really started taking throwing seriously when I was like, you know, oh crap. You know, I'm pretty good at this. Should probably figure out. You know, this could be my route to to, comp, to comp, high level competition. Um, so you know, I went to I visited um, UK, LSU, Cornell, Cincinnati, and Indiana. And I think you know, it's funny. At the time, I had no, I never was going to go to UK. Never. I was literally just going there to hang out with a friend of mine who I had known from high school who was on the team. I was like, you know, it's, it's free. They pay for it. I'll just go down and like hang out. And then just kind of fell in love with the, with the university and with the team. Um, and right off the bat, just hit it off with all the guys that were there in the throws group and coach Nino, you know, we all just, we bonded like that. And I just never felt that on any other visit. And I took one more visit after that and definitely didn't get the same vibe. Um, so yeah, I just kind of shut it down and knew that that was my home. So I guess, the deciding factor for me was more so like the culture and the family aspect that we talked about earlier. You know, I knew that on the days that track wasn't going well or school wasn't going well, I would still have, you know, my friends there. And then now, you know, I have eight best friends that we still talk all the time. So I think it was, it was a really positive decision for me. Yeah. What is, what a story there. Like you weren't considering going there and then all of a sudden it changed and you made the most of your time at UK. So can't can't complain about that no it was pretty great and like i said yeah I had, I had no intention i literally had it pretty much had it down in my head to just two schools that weren't uk and it just kind of happened that you know you take that take that chance of going on the visit and then i ended up falling in love with the place and the people there and, and like you said you know i wouldn't trade my four years there for anywhere else you know i walked away with lifelong friends and a lot of great memories and, you know, I was fortunate enough to compete at a pretty high level thanks to, you know, the guys I was training with and the coaches as well. So I think, you know, it was definitely the, the best place for me. Yeah, so you're a two-time All-American while you were at Kentucky. So, like, take us through, like, those seasons that you were all, All-American. Like, yeah. the overall, like, feeling, like, getting nominated for All-American. Yeah. Yeah, so I think um, my junior year was the first one. Um, you know, like I said, had a struggled indoor a little bit, but kind of picked it up outdoor and then actually got hurt um, lifting, um, caught a power clean weird and just kind of banged up my knee and missed six weeks of competition. And going into the SEC championship, um, was just trying to, I don't know, piece it together, make my coach happy. You know, discus was my main event that year. And um, I PR'd, had a big PR earlier in the year, and I was like, you know, discus is my thing, that's tomorrow. So just kind of went out for shot put, had fun, and then just kind of ended up PRing, 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 made it into the final, 
Um, then I ended up throwing 1924, which was like uh, a two foot PR, I think at the time. And that year um, was the hot, was the best shot put competition at the conference level of all time. Um, in the SEC, I ended up getting fourth and then came back discus the next day and got third, which I think for me was just a really big confidence booster going forward because I had never been at that level where I was competing with the big dogs um, in the conference and in the national level. And then um, basically went to regionals, made it out in discus and shot put, rolled my ankle, the last throw of warmups, um, and basically had a, had a great assistant coach give me some awesome advice um about you know just toughing it out a little bit and then ended up uh my shot put pr still to this day it was actually on the very next throw um so just kind of got a big adrenaline rush went after it and then made it out um in both events um to the national meet and then once you make it there you're pretty much an all-american so was lucky to to do that and then the next year you know i said coaching change so a little bit more of a difficult route um you know, the conference meet didn't go so well indoor. I ended up getting ninth at the indoor championships and then outdoor qualified in both again. So I think, you know, it was a pretty up and down journey. You know, the junior year battled through some odd, just random chance injuries. And then senior year, you know, with the coaching change, you know, I think everybody says this, but if we had six more months together, I really think that, that I would have taken off um, under Coach McBride. You know, it's just tough when you make that transition three years in and you only have nine months to kind of figure it out. And, you know, I think he did an awesome job of kind of um, molding what he does to work for me as well, which is, I think, you know, why we did have success towards um, the later season. And, you know, I do think if we had some more time together, we would have definitely taken off. But, yeah, up and down journey. Um, I think everybody kind of track and field is one of those weird things. There's so many qualification meets and things like that, that it, it's just a roller coaster all the way through. Yeah. So you, you faced some obstacles throughout the course of that. So like, what was your mindset like when you got injured from the lifting and then like when you rolled your ankle and I know you said your coach gave you some, gave you a pep talk, like, especially during that like lifting incident, like what was your mindset and like try to get past that and just get better while being injured? Yeah. I mean, I think, the main thing with the lifting one is I know it was my fault. Um, I tried going a little too hard, um, probably in a macho incident, which is classic among most college males. Um, so I think the biggest thing for me was just like taking ownership up front. And, you know, honestly, I would say it was more the coaches and the athletic training staff that just gave me the attitude that, hey, you know, we're going to miss some time. You can either get better or you can get worse. Like it's, it's a pretty binary choice. You know, you can take this time and throw yourself a pity party and then waste the rest of this year. So I was really coming on strong at that point. Like I said, I had just PR'd in discus um, and was really having an awesome year to that point. And it was kind of my time to break out. So, you know, I think in my own head, I was like, man, this is really unfair. Um, this is my time. But then I think I was really fortunate that people around me kept pushing me. So when I did come back, like I was ready to go hundred percent. Honestly, I was probably hungrier um, to hadn't competed in so long that, you know, I was really hungry to prove that, you know, I could do it coming off of injury. And I think the, the people around me did an awesome job of just putting me in a really, really great position. So would you say like when you got like ninth in the conference and like you didn't have that great of meet, your, your coach and the teammates were like the exact same, just like helped you through that, like, just to push you through that and just like get like your mind right going in the next, yeah. uh, next meet. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, through and through, I think that's the, the through line um, through my entire story is being surrounded by great people, you know, whether there's at the high school level or the college level or now in my professional life. Um, you know, when things weren't going exactly my way, they were always there to pick me up and kind of put me back in the ring, whether I thought I was ready to or not, and just kind of push me to go to that next level. Um, and that's why, you know, having a good training group is so important and, and having the right people around you who are positive and picking you up um, is really, really important. And I don't think, you know, I definitely know I wouldn't have reached the levels that I did. And I, I think most people who are high achievers wouldn't have either without, you know, positive mentorship, you know, positive colleagues around them as well. Yeah, that's that's something that I've noticed in the in the podcast we've done as well. And like, especially for me, like you just got to surround yourself with good with good people, good supportive people. And like your performance will get a lot better when you're with those instead of like the doubters and like, you know, the doubters do push you, but like, just like the people that just hate on you for that, for like doing what you want, just having those good people with you and supporting you just helps a whole lot and like makes you like, makes it so much more better to go into the, going to your next meet, your next race, your next, next game, whatever it is, just to, to outperform the other guy. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, you know, you, again, it's important to have those positive people around you. Cause like you said, you know, the, the doubters and the haters or whatever you want to call them can fuel you. But eventually, you know, anger is an emotion that burns really hot, but it runs out fast. So if you're relying on that every single day to motivate you, you know, at some point that's going to run out. And then, you know, where's the internal motivation that you're trying to do something for yourself or the people that have cared for you for your life or your mentors or your parents or your family or your friends, you know, so I think it's important to have the positive energy around you. Because again, you know, the negativity is great and I think can spur you on to really good things. But if you're relying on that every single day, you know, eventually that runs out and you just become a, a bitter person who the whole entire world is out to get you. And I think, you know, in the long run, you know, if you're trying to make a jump, you know, to the next professional league, or if you're trying to throw after college, you know, five, six, seven years, you know, you can't rely on negativity forever. Yeah, exactly. And college is a hard hard like place to play a sport because like all the competition is a lot harder and all that and like like going from like your freshman year of college to like your senior year of college like how how did your body like transform like as a thrower standpoint and like like gaining muscle and all that and like what was like that like was it difficult or like was it like easier for you yeah you know I think you know, coming in, I weighed like 240. Like I said, I played football and basketball. Um, I'm like 6'4". So I was a pretty slight frame. Um, and I think the heaviest I ever got was like 300 towards the end of my senior year. Um, and again, a lot of peaks and valleys, you know, in through that. But, you know, my freshman year, I was on weight gain. So just tried to eat as much as I could, you know, and, and pack, on, pack on muscle. And I think I put on like 20, 30 pounds pretty quickly. Um, not necessarily great weight. Um, but ended up, you know, like I said, kind of cutting in the summer and then building up the rest of the way through. So I think the, the transformation's difficult. I think for male throwers specifically, like you have to be a man to perform at the highest level because you are going against, you know, in college, if you're 18, you're going against 22 to 23 year olds. And, you know, if you want to be relevant on the national scene right away, you have to compete against those guys. So you really have to flip the switch from boy to man pretty instantaneously, um, which is difficult for a lot of men. 
um, the weight changes from high school to college as well. Uh, so I think for a lot of men struggle with that transition, but I think that's, you really see it start to pay off in year three and year four. Yeah. And just going back to like the eating part, like eating a lot is hard. Like I, I try yeah. to do that just to gain, gain more muscle and all that. And like, you have to eat it, eat a lot. And it, it definitely is hard. So, but like just lifting as well, just like you got to do it and it makes you stronger. So that, so just gain muscle from there. It's, yeah no better feeling than that. Yeah. And I think, you know, specifically within the throws, like lifting is pretty paramount to what we do. Um, you know, it, it is, um, a power sport, a speed power sport. So, you know, I think if you're going to compete at a higher level in throwing, you know, that that's a big part of what you have to do. I think what people do miss out on though is the recovery aspect, whether it's the hydration, the sleep, um, the eating, I know I struggled with that in college because you are balancing a social life, academics, and on top of that, trying to be a high-level athlete. Um, and I think the, the people who can balance all three of those really well are the ones who end up kind of rising to the top by the end of their time in college. Yeah, so, like, for lifting, like, what are some of the, like, the lifts that you do, like, specifically yeah. for throwers, like, to get that, like, explosiveness and, explosiveness and that speed? And, like, so, like, what, what exercises would you do? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a big believer and, you know, I'm not here to reinvent the wheel. I think things have been done for hundreds of years that work and they just show up in reincarnations all the time. So a lot of things we do are pretty simple. Um, we get the more complex work done when we're throwing. Um, but you know, we're going to do Olympic lifts. So that's clean and snatch bench squat, um, incline bench. And then it's different accessories that are mainly, you know, we're working the back a lot. Um, cause we don't do a lot of pulling. Um, obviously throwing is mainly a pressing movement. So we do a lot of back work, hamstring work, glute work in the weight room. And then, you know, just different accessories like dumbbell bench, dumbbell incline bench, um, just to kind of work on the pressing a little bit more. So, yeah, I mean, really the only lifts that we're trying to do super fast are the Olympic lifts. Um, you know, we have a variety of implements that we throw at practice from heavy to light. Um, to kind of work on the speed as well it just kind of depends on the time of year that we're in but yeah mainly pretty simple um olympic lifting and then just bench squat and you know like i said trying not to reinvent the wheel too much yeah does like all the lifting like stuff change like off season or in season or do you mm -hmm. typically like keep it the same yeah so i mean it, it rotates depending on where we are you know in the summer um some people stay here i mean obviously this year with covid everyone was home um, so it was very dependent on what equipment they had. So we did a lot of body weight stuff. You know, we didn't do a lot of Olympic lifting in the summer. Um, just because some of our people were pretty new to it. So we mainly focused on the strength lift. So bench squat, front squat, um, barbell incline bench. Um, right now we're doing, um, Olympics twice a week with bench squat corresponding and we have a third day that's just kind of a circuit day um just kind of keep moving that's throwers cardio as well um you know we're wearing masks everywhere too so you know it's difficult to get a lot of stadiums or things like that in because it's difficult to breathe especially for the bigger people um so you know we're trying to get some cardio work in the circuit area um and then once we do transition into our in season you know we try to do a lot of our stuff um, based on velocity um, so how fast the bar is moving um, the reps obviously go way down once we're in season and it becomes more supplementary to what we're doing. So we're just trying to move the bar fast and all the lifts that we do or move the dumbbells fast, whatever. 
um, and really train our body to move at the speed that we want to press the shot put or move the discus or the hammer or whatever we're working on. Yeah. So going back to that, that's awesome. That's some great advice and great tips that you guys got great insight that you just gave. So going back to high school a little bit, like, was it like your junior year? You said that like you realized that you could be like really good and like, like what motivated you from there? Yeah, I think, you know, my sophomore year, I did pretty well. Um, I got fourth at the state in Ohio, which like Ohio is an awesome track and field state. And then my junior year got second um, with, you know, over 180 feet. Um, honestly, I think what motivated me was just more so like seeing it as my opportunity to take the next step to a really, really high level. Like I said, I'm a super competitive person. So, you know, I think what motivated me was getting the opportunity to be the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. Um, and compete in the SEC um, and be able to be relevant, go to a school where I knew would be relevant on the national level year in and year out. So I think, honestly, I was, I was pretty motivated by success um, and just seeing, you know, at that time when I was getting recruited, um, only the true diehard throwers will know these names, but Andrew Evans and Rodney Brown were throwing at UK and LSU. And it was like those guys, every single meet were throwing like top 10 all-time college marks. And, you know, being both in the SEC and then just every single meet, they were like one-upping each other. And I think that was really fun to watch as a high schooler getting recruited. And it's in my head being like, I'll be able to go to a place where I could be a part of that, I think was really enticing. Yeah. So going into like high school, like, do you have any advice for like high school throwers out there that are looking to get, get college exposure and yeah. get into that college level? Yeah, I think most of the people we recruit are multi-sport athletes. Um, first and foremost, you know, I think, you know, if you want to focus on track, that's fine, but you know, we're in the business of developing student athletes. So I think it's important that you do play multiple sports. One, it shows that you're athletic, shows you can be part of a team. Um, you know, it shows a lot about you from a personality standpoint, but also the different movements, you know, if you're a female and you play volleyball, you know, the explosiveness that you have in jumping, the arm movement that you have in spiking, um, you know, there's a lot of things that correlate to, to the throws. General athleticism is huge. Um, and, you know, try – I mean, track and field is pretty easy to recruit, honestly, because it's just databases of numbers. Um, so if you've thrown a certain mark, you know, and we look you up, you play multiple sports, you got your football huddle video up, um, you know, you got your basketball, your volleyball, soccer, whatever other sports you play, um, you know, that definitely makes you more attractive. And then I think, you know, the obvious one would be grades. You know, I think – Again, we're in the business of developing student athletes. So the better grades you have, the more academic scholarship money you can get, you know, the more we trust that you're a high character individual. And then we know that you're going to work hard here um, academically and athletically. Um, so, yeah, I think just the, the well-rounded athletes are really important, you know, playing in multiple sports and then grades. Um, you know, we look at how you interact with your teammates, your parents, there's a lot of stuff that, that you can do, but honestly, at the end of the day, it's just being a good person, um, and, and trying to throw far. Yeah. So, uh, a multi-sport athlete, like that's super, like, that's super important. Like, it's like the, shit, what's the word? Uh, it's like consistent with it, with track that like, just be, be a multi-sport athlete and like you could be very su successful and like athletic. Like I've seen, I see a lot of football, basketball players come, come do track. So I was always like, I'm a multi-sport athlete. 
I played baseball, hockey, cross country, mm-hmm. track and field, like all that. And it definitely, all those sports definitely do help you become a better athlete overall and a better track and track and field star as well. And as well as cross country. So yeah. it's always, always good to get to see uh multi-sport athletes out there. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, throwing specifically is a very repetitive movement. And I think, you know, if you're doing that for 15 years, you know, it's, really easy to get a lot of injuries in that as well. And I think there's a lot of studies that have come out recently that show the dangers of early specialization in kids. Um, so the more, more sports you play, you know, obviously probably the less injury prone you are on the whole, once you get to four years of just training in the throws. And then, like you said, it just shows a level of, you know, consistency commitment to something bigger than yourself, you know, especially within the team sports. And then, you know, just the, the general movements from all sports make you more athletic, you know, the footwork in basketball, the jumping in volleyball, the footwork in soccer, you know, all of those things, you don't have to do any fancy exercises, just go out and play. Um, those are the things going to make you a better athlete. Exactly. So like, let's go on to like your coaching for a little bit here. So uh, what, like, what made you like realize that you want to be a Rose coach and like, how do you get like, hired at EIU to be a throws coach? Yeah, I think why I want to be a throws coach is I didn't want to do a, a real job, quote unquote. Um, you know, I didn't really see myself fitting into a nine to five culture um, and staring at a computer screen and doing that every single day. You know, that's just not my personality. Um, I like to be outside when I can. You know, I always knew I wanted to work in sports. Uh, I just didn't know where and I think you know my junior year I probably realized you know once I started doing really well um, and then looking back and being able to name like four or five coaches be like man without that guy I would have never gotten here and I think you know I want to I wanted to give that experience to other student athletes as well because you know going back to being from a small town I got to travel the country on a private jet with UK all over the like all over the country California Texas Oregon and I think not many people get that experience. So I wanted to be in a position where I could give people an opportunity to experience that. Um, and then, you know, obviously going through a coaching change, they were very different philosophically in terms of the workouts we did. I think personality wise, they're also a little different. Um, and it was interesting for me to see like both ways can be successful. How can I marry those concepts and kind of take the best from both, both of my throws coaches and mash it all into one philosophy. And I think, you know, so far we've had some success with that. Um, You know, going to, coming here to EIU, I think was a pretty stressful process. I didn't start until September of last year. Um, So, you know, there was a time I graduated and worked a retail job for like three months, just trying to figure it out and applying to places. Um, And then, you know, in the coaches world, it's all about who you know, Um, and luckily, knew some pretty, pretty good people who helped me out a ton. Um, and then ended up landing here. And I think honestly, again, I'm very fortunate that I think this is definitely the best place for me to be right now. Yeah. That's awesome that like you knew a lot of people and like got you like where you are right now. And it just shows that like just knowing people like will get you places and it, it def it's definitely like around the world now that like connections are a huge thing and just, yeah, just connecting with people and like, you don't, you never know what could happen. Yeah. And I think it goes back to, you know, talking about recruiting, just being, trying to be a good person. Um, you know, if, if you're 
generally nice or fun to be around or interesting to the people that you meet, you know, eventually those people will go to bat for you. Um, and again, like I said, I'm not shy about admitting that I'm very fortunate to know people that, that did go to bat for me, but, you know, I think, you know, people looking, um, for, for other coaching jobs or something like that, the more people you can network with and the more people you can be nice to, um, talk with, learn from, um, the more, the better position you're going to be into to, to get a job. Yeah, exactly. So going on, uh, what, what is like your college, your coaching uh, philosophy? Um, from the specific throws standpoint or just yeah, like in general? from, uh, from the specific, uh, specific throws standpoint. Um, again, you know, throwing is, is highly individual. You know, I think there's, you know, people say management is a combination of art and science. And I think throwing is very similar. Um, you know, there is a lot of art in movement, but also we live in a physical universe where biomechanics matter. Um, so I think there's certain things that you can't get away with, um, with not doing in the throw. So I think it's figuring out first and foremost, how the athlete moves best. You know, I have a female that's like six foot. I have a female who's like five, six, five, seven, you know, they move differently, but they can both be really successful. And I think if you look at the international level, the women's discus is a prime example. You know, there's um, females who are super tall and do it, you know, move a little slower. And then there's females who are a little bit more explosive and move really fast and are really um, elastic in terms of their movements. So I think my coaching philosophy with regards to the throws is one, we're here to throw. Um, weight room is important, but, you know, we don't go to weightlifting competitions, we go to throwing competitions. So what we do out there is always going to take precedence. Um, you know, individuals. So we're trying to figure out how the individual moves and then create a technique that works for them. And then, you know, Pep Guardiola, who's the manager for Manchester City, um, probably the best soccer manager of all time uh, with the 08 to 12 Barcelona teams. But anyway, uh, he has a great quote about, you know, it's, coaching is all like being a caddy in golf. I can help you pick the clubs, but at the end of the day, like, you have to hit the shot. And so I think that's what I tell, you know, our guys and gals all the time is I can, my job is to, help you mess up the least possible. You know, it's your path. You have to walk it. But when you get off, I just kind of put you back on. So I think, and that helps them take ownership um, with what they're doing. I think it motivates them quite honestly. And like I said, taking, getting away from the one size fits all idea, um, I think really helps them too in terms of their individual development. Yeah, that's a, that's a great philosophy right there. And like just motivates everyone else that's, uh that's uh with you and your your athletes just motivates them even more to just do do as much as they can just stay stay consistent with their training and just see their uh their growth their growth uh go up yeah and i think you know if you are coming to high level athletics and you know i'll say division one but there's obviously a buttload of high level athletes in division two division three naia all of those things as well you know if you're if you are making the jump to the next level, it's inherent to me that you want to be good. Um, you know, obviously there's exceptions to that rule, but you know, my job is to kind of keep the motivation consistent and it's kind of, I don't really think we need to be like yellers and screamers and put people down in terms of like when they mess up. Cause I think everybody wants to do good things. So again, I think a great coach's job is to kind of, guide you you know you get a, a little too far right off the path we're pushing you left you get a little too far left we're pushing you right um and letting their journey be theirs instead of imposing your own ego onto it 
I think is really important too. Um, and again, if you look at a lot of high level coaches, whether it's Pep Guardiola, Phil Jackson, um, you know, college coaches left and right, you know, they, they definitely took that advice to heart. Exactly. And it just got to keep believing in that and keep going with it. So I know I have a few more questions for you before we end this. So what are some of your uh, long-term goals for coaching? Yeah, I think um, first and foremost, I think it's making EIU the best possible Rose powerhouse we can be. You know, we live in an awesome area in terms of Illinois. That's an awesome talent state. And obviously the states around us are really talented as well. So I think first and foremost, making this place, you know, dominant within the Ohio Valley Conference and then relevant on the national level as a group, um, I think is my current goal. And then long-term goal, just kind of wherever I am, bring that same energy to where, you know, we're developing student athletes. Um, you know, kids are graduating in four years. Um, we have high-level GPAs. Um, we're getting good jobs. We're going to grad school because, you know, track and field eventually has to end. Even if you're super, super, you know, best in the world, you make it to like 28, 29. Um, so, you know, what are we going to do after 28, 29 until retirement? So we got 40 years to kind of figure out there. Uh, so I think that's really important. And within the track and field aspect, um, you know, whether I am or wherever I am, you know, just to have that, you know, we're going to dominate the conference and we're going to be, you know, perennially have one to one to five people, you know, at the conference meet, I think is a big goal of mine. You know, again, that all starts with culture. So I think the, the biggest long-term goal for me is wherever I am that student athletes want to be there. Um, they want to get better because if they do, I think they ultimately will do their job in terms of getting better. Yeah, those, those are some great goals, and I want to wish you the best of luck for those goals, and ho I hope you, uh, you achieve them. So uh, my final question of the day is, uh, how do you think – how is uh, track and field going to be – is going to be uh, affected this upcoming track season with COVID-19 COVID coming into play? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's obviously scary. I think there's some programs that are getting cut right now. If you look at the Minnesota men's team, um, which is a really shocking development. Obviously, um, you know, training looks a little bit different now. You know, we're training in groups of like four or five, um, which makes the practice day a little bit longer for me, which honestly I like. I don't have to sit in the office that much. Um, so I think obviously training in smaller groups, training in a socially distant way, we're wearing our masks while we're working out. Um, I think the, the biggest thing that's going to be difficult at the college level is how do we keep kids from getting COVID on the weekends. Um, but again, you know, I think that's a goes back to culture, you know, are they buying into success? You know, I think at EIU, we have a chance to win conference championships year in and year out. So if you can't commit to that ring, you know, what are you doing here? Um, if you can commit to that ring, you know, I think you are making good decisions on the weekend with, with, uh, regards to socially distancing, wearing a mask, etc. Um, but I think, you know, it's been inspiring, you know, you look around the world, you know, Johannes Vetter almost threw the world record in the javelin. Valerie Almonds broke the American record. Rudy Winkler threw 80-72 in the hammer. You know, there's been amazing results throughout the entirety of lockdown from around the world. Um, and not just within track and field, but, you know, if you've been training and you're willing to train through adversity, I think this is going to be a great year. You know, I told my athletes, this is probably going to be the lowest year it takes to qualify for big meets because not everybody's equipped to, to handle that adversity and keep going. So the team that's able to stay the most positive 
and be flexible and to work through all of the different configurations that we're going to have in training is going to be the team that's successful. So I think, you know, if you have the right mentality and the right mindset that this could be a really, really big year for a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. You just got to take what you, what you can control and just go, go with it. Like this is not a, not a great year, but you can make it a great year just by doing yeah. what you can, just not doing the stuff like not wearing a mask, like you should be wearing a mask and like all that and just like focusing on training and not going out like partying, like trying and getting COVID and all that. Just stay yeah. stay home, stay stay committed to the training and, and succeed. Yeah, and I think it's, um, you know, that's definitely a, a, a difficult battle because, you know, we, we do want them hanging out to build culture, but we obviously want them to do it in the right way so yeah. that we're building culture and not, you know, passing on the virus because, you know, this obviously doesn't even need to be said as a very serious pandemic. So, you know, I think that is first and foremost. But again, you know, you look around the world landscape, people are PRing left and right. Um, you know, this has been, a, again, a really inspiring year within American throws and within the world scene. So I think, you know, again, if, if you can kind of put your head down, you know, we talked about putting on the blinders earlier. You know, if you can kind of put on your blinders to what's going on in the outside world and obviously be socially responsible, um, this could be a really, really big year um, for a lot of athletes and a lot of teams. Yeah, exactly. So, Noah, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time and want to wish you and EIU nothing but the best of luck going forward this season. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem.